Christ. Let's get right into it. I had a great uh, chat with Hannah Orenstein this week. She's the author of Playbook Matches. Um, she's a dating editor at Elite Daily and former matchmaker. Uh, we talk about the dating culture, living in New York City. Uh, I think you're going to love this episode. We recorded it at a nice little coffee shop on the Upper East Side. So if you hear some people tinker in the background or hear a cappuccino machine going off, you just feel like you're right there with us. Um, and not, not to mention it was about 95 degrees outside and 1,000% humidity. So tough hair day, y'all. Um, but... Uh, it was nice to be in a nice coffee shop with air conditioning. So I think you're going to love this episode. Uh, we talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, we talk about what it's like to date in New York City and why it can be difficult, um, why men become assholes when they've got the advantage. You know, there's a there's a high ratio of women in New York City. If you're a single guy, you got to move to New York City. I'm sorry. There's a lot of beautiful, talented, um, interesting women that live there, and um, there are too many of them for you gentlemen. Which, by the way, that's what the stats say, but I went out to the bars. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of dudes out there, too. But uh, we talk about looks and status. The attractive, what, What's more important, attractiveness or success? Or is it a combination of the two? Can you have more attractiveness and less success or vice versa? I don't know why I laugh like I'm thinking of myself. <laughs> it's like, Dave, come on, you're a seven. Uh, you're a strong seven. And your success is a three. Yeah, that's right. I'm a ten divided by two. Moving on. Um <laughs> Even on the intro, I can find a way to shit on myself. Uh, yeah, so we talk about her new book, uh, Playing With Matches. It's a novel that she wrote. It's got, a f- it's got a few elements, you know, derived from her own life as a matchmaker. But also, of course, it's a, a scandalous novel about a young matchmaker who uh, is matching up different clients. But guess what? Maybe she finds out she wants one of them for herself. Sexy. Go to the beach, bring this book, and I get some sand in it. And then send her a tweet and tell her you're listening to, uh, on the sap. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's really great uh, to meet someone who can talk about um, the process of writing a novel because uh, it's actually, you know, what's interesting is I actually met, I met someone out the other night and um, I think they, they were talking about their struggle to, to create and they had written four chapters of a book in two years. And I don't, and I, I can't, trust me, as a guy who's got just different stacks of notes everywhere, um, I understand the process of creating and how, um, it can be tough to even get through your own mental blocks. You know, the, 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 the mantra is not a mantra, but the saying that I've been you know, talking about is that perfection is the enemy of good. And we're, we try too hard to make something that's perfect, even on our first try. And that's the pressure of society because with social media, we just see everyone's perfection. We don't get to see the first draft, second draft rejection letters. Well, I thought what was amazing about um, Hannah is when we, when we were talking, um, I saw on her Twitter that she posted, uh, like a, a a batch of rejections that she got when she was submitting for publishers of her novel, and I thought that was so badass that she was able and comfortable to share that process because failure is just part of success. The rejections are just part of the way to the top, and you're, you'll never be a fit for everybody. You just need to be a fit for one person. Uh, it's true about writing a novel. It's true about stand-up comedy. It is true about finding a match. It's true about finding that um, friend for the end of the universe that you have to get. You have to sift through the rejection, the rubble, to find what you're looking for. Gold doesn't just sit at the top of a sand dune. You got to dig for it, and you got to get through a lot of bullshit to get there. Sometimes I, I um. I start an analogy and I don't know how it ends, <laughs> but uh, it was really great talking with Hannah. I think you're really going to like this episode. Uh, playing with matches. I'll leave it. Uh, I'll leave a link in the description uh, where you can find this book to purchase, and uh, you can go take it to the beach with you. You know, it's not often I interview people who uh, who wrote novels. I mean, we talk a lot about self help books, but it was interesting that like there's you know you can you can read a, a juicy read like this. Uh, something that's, you know, fiction, but also you can feel the truth in it. You know, she, she derived a lot of her experiences um, from just hanging out in New York, being a young matchmaker and being a young woman in New York. And uh, there's no better city in the world than to learn a little bit about the opposite sex than New York City. Oh, do I romanticize this town? How great is it? So I spent a week in New York and, you know, you know, old Dave, old Dave, not, not a uh, single man uh, anymore, not, not, you know, gallivanting around town like my youth. But uh, my brother Jameson came to town. He just turned 21. So I took him out and um, I really forced myself to stay. I was like, don't mail it in at midnight. It's New York. We got to be out till at least three. We took the city bikes around town. We zipped all around. 
we uh i got i had a oh it was a blast it really was and uh we met some fun people so i uh, had a had a blast in new york uh made it back to rhode island yesterday and i'll spend the fourth of july in rhode island uh no complaints at all but as always you know me i talk about going back to see my family i want every trip to be better than the last I, just like uh, like anything else i don't want to judge my family experiences against anyone else's i just want this trip to be better than the last and I mean better as in better communicating, more um, sincerity, less judgment, as we tend to do with our family. Are you guys home with your family at all this summer? Can you attest to this? Can you attest to just wanting to uh, grow up a little bit and not be the quote-unquote uh, son, but more just the family member, the guy who can actually you know, help, help out? I, I, uh, I, I Did I post this on my Instagram? I just, I just uh, I recorded the video of me meeting my niece for the first time madeline she's uh she's six months old she my my, my sister gave birth uh the day after i uh left after new year's uh new year's so i didn't get to meet my uh, my niece and boy I, I, she she had that thing where she looked at me right at first with you know like where she like recognized my eyes you know she was like oh you've got the same eyes from my mom and the rest of the family but uh who are you <laughs> and we just had the moment where we're like oh we're cool and she saw that, you know, like my sister Chase handed her off to me. And uh, I think that's what you got to do. When the, when the mom hands the, the daughter off to you, that um, she's like, well, I guess my mom wouldn't pass me to a weirdo. So here you go. And I had a great time meeting her. And I'm looking forward to the rest of my week here. It's going to be amazing. Uh, one thing that's very interesting, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but I want to spoil, I want to give you guys some info. I am going to meet my grandfather today for the first time in about 14 years maybe 15 i'd have to do the math what's the difference at this point i haven't seen him since basically i was graduated high school um to say my family had a falling out with him would probably be a little a bit of an understatement my grandfather suffers from a few different um you know things such as you know alcoholism and he comes from a generation where uh, the dads weren't always there and I've always talked about, um, you know, Tasha's uh, relationship with her grandparents, and I've never had a grandparent. I this is, he's the only living potential grandparent that I have, and he's stopping by today. I guess the family's been in talks with him, and they've kind of just, like we said, sifted from the rubble and decided to patch things up. And it's nobody's fault, but um, my mom's one of eight, so he's got eight uh, eight. He, he my grandfather has eight kids who each have a big Irish Catholic family. So there's 30 to 40 uh, of his grandkids. And there's a, and, and uh, my biggest fear is that he's not going to know my name, but I kind of know that, which sounds crazy to be like, Oh, my grandfather's not going to know my name, but now he's older. And apparently he's been calling everyone Jack, even the dog. <laughs> so I'm going by Jack this week, which is my other brother's name. So it's very complicated. Tasha is going to be visiting at the end of the weekend. And uh, I, I, I don't know if she's nervous to meet my grandfather. I think she'll be very interested by him. Uh, as I remember, he's a very charming guy and a very sweet guy. But, you know, like I said, we've all got our demons. So we're looking past that and hoping that we can just um, make some amends, you know. And that's what the world's all about is is um, that's not who you are when you're born. It's who you are on your deathbed, right? And this journey certainly has been about uh, repairing um, those connections and trying to find the authenticity within ourselves so we can share it with others. And, um, yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll also have to take some photos because we have so much family in town that, um, I'm going to be staying in the family's RV. My mom got an Airstream. So we pulled the Airstream to the backyard uh, right next to the, this little fire pit that we have. Not too close. And I'm going to be cleaning it out today. Luckily, we've got an um, extension cord. So I'll be able to run some air conditioning to the RV. You know me. I'm not trying to sleep in some hot RV in the middle of a New England summer. No, thanks. We're putting the extension cord up. I'll get a little flat screen TV going in there. Well, you know, I, I, I make sure we pull the uh, RV up close enough to hit up the family Wi-Fi. And uh, Tasha's going to come into town, and we're going to be uh, glamming it up. Glamping, as they say. 
Anyhow, we'll get the podcast started. Make sure you go to sexactuallypodcast.com and check out our new website. We've got um, uh, some updates on there, and you can actually sign up for the mailing list on there. It's on the main homepage. You just type in your first, in your, your first last name. I don't even make your name up. I don't care. Just put in your email address, click submit, and it'll go right to our MailChimp. And then um, we'll be sending out, you know, biweekly updates. No spam, none of that shit. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of works that have been going on with the podcast. This is episode 291. We're approaching number 300. What should we do for our 300th episode? Should I do a live episode? Should, uh, what should we do? You tell me. Uh, let me know what you think would be fun. And, um, yeah, onwards and upwards. Uh, we're hoping to just keep on getting this podcast out to new people. And, uh, it, and, and we do that by your help. So listening to this free episode, all I ask is, uh, you know, at the very least, write a review on iTunes and rate it. And, um, and, then, and then if you feel like it, share it with some friends. Share the sexactuallypodcast.com link. Share the iTunes links. Stitcher, TuneIn, you know, iHeartRadio, whatever you listen on. Make sure to share it because, hey, it's all about growth. It's all about learning. It's all about getting enough followers so we can get more advertisers. <laughs> get Papa a new pair of shoes. I, I actually do tell Tasha this that I'm like, you know, it might sound crazy, but I think, you know, I think we're on to something here. I think we're on to the fact that people want to learn how to communicate better. And it starts with me, folks. It starts with me. Um, I got in a fight with my mom a couple of days before I even got here on the phone. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm already doing that thing where you just like pick, you know, you just pick apart scabs. And it's all about uh, the neosporin, folks. It's all about the, you know, you know, healing, not picking apart scabs. So it was actually beautiful when I did get into town to be conscious enough to, to have some real talk with my parents in a way that um, is about just love and no expectations. And um, that's what I've got for my family this week. No expectations. I'm going to go pick apart some food out of the fridge. And I hope you pick apart this episode and really enjoy my chat that I had with Hannah Ornstein. Today. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. The SAP. This is uh, this is great. I love meeting new people, and it's a place where I can pick your brain and ask you really personal questions I would never ask a stranger. Sure. Is that okay with you? Yes, it is. So we're on the Upper East Side, mm -hmm. which is the only part of Manhattan I know nothing about. Welcome. Thank you. Do you live up here? I do. Uh, I won't ask for a specific address. Um, <laughs> this this is the neighborhood. Maybe you've had this experience. I don't know. This is the one neighborhood where I dated a girl from up here who ghosted on me, so I don't go up here. Oh, I am so sorry. It's okay. Back here. <laughs> I think I've moved on, but for for like a year, this was a no go. Yeah. She was in the '80s. That's all I remember. Oh well, we're lower than that. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. But I might walk <laughs> by that area and just be like, "What's up? How are we doing? <laughs> have you? Do you have like blackout zones in Manhattan that you won't oh, go to? Like. Manhattan is basically blacked out at this point. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, I, one of the things that's like, I love sort of masochistically about New York is that like, I can't go really down to the financial district or parts of Midtown, um, or parts of Brooklyn anymore. And that's fine. And like, you get to relive all of your horror just by like walking around the city and you doing just named like where 10 million people live. I, yeah. <laughs> I can't go to Brooklyn, you know, Midtown, Central Park. I can't, right. I got, go, I, I met this girl in Central Park and then she go, and then she ghosted me. And then after, like, really being, like, you know, emails, like, are you dead? What's going on? Just let me know. Like, I, I don't mind being dumped, but I need to know. Right. And then eventually she was like, all right, let's go for a walk. And then we walked up the east side of the park from Rockefeller. And it wasn't until we got to the 80s to, like, that's when she dumped me. Oh. When it was, like, her turn to make a turn home. <laughs> okay. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to walk through Central Park now and have a panini by myself. She ruins, like, a lot of the best part of the park for you. Yeah. I don't go over there. I'm still good. I'm still good in Sheep's Meadow. Okay. No one's fucked with my Sheep's Meadow. I'm, well, fingers crossed. And if this goes well, I'm okay on, in this, I won't <laughs> say our, our intersection, because I don't know if this is your favorite <laughs> coffee. The podcast following isn't that big where they're going to be hunting you down. So, so, um, are you, you're, you're from New Jersey. No, I grew up in Massachusetts. Oh, why would I? Why did I think Jersey? Because the character in the book is from oh, Jersey. <laughs> I have a hard time, and we're going to get into your book. I have a hard time pulling you apart from the character. I have to say, we're which different. Means you wrote I it promise. well. <laughs> You're different. Yes. But were you a matchmaker? I was. I was okay. a matchmaker um, when I was 21 years old, and I was working for an elite dating service here in the city. So you, but you went to? Did you go to school in Boston? 
No, I came to New York for school. I went to NYU to study journalism and history. And the summer after my junior year, I really wanted this fancy magazine internship, and it fell through. And I was like, well, like I might as well go work as a matchmaker for a dating service because I have this weird opportunity in my back pocket. So I did that for the summer between those two years of school and then continued um, while I was in college. And was it just like in the book where they actually do prefer young women to be matchmakers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and why is that? Is that just the, the hopefulness, the optimism? Um, it's, it? a little, it's a little depressing, but they say that younger women get more responses on dating apps. So, um, you know, I would use a database that we had of, like, all of the eligible singles in New York, basically, to find matches for my clients. But if I didn't love the people in the database for a specific client, I would use dating apps. So um, it was sort of helpful. Um, a guy would swipe right on this girl who was like 21 years old, and he'd be like, oh, cool, awesome. And then I'd be like, hey, I'm actually not here for myself. I'm here for my client. So it was sort of a bait and switch. It's like a, yeah, like a pleasant catfish. You're like, uh, I'm not yeah. what you want, but uh, but I have options. <laughs> right. It's like a catfish plus salesman. Yeah. Angle. The, uh, the uh, fish of the day is out, but we've got a nice uh, soup minestrone you can try. <laughs> exactly. You can try the soup. Not yes. that I know soup minestrone doesn't sound like a suitable match. So where in Boston are you from? No one's from Boston. You're from like I a know. suburb? Um, so I grew up in Needham, Needham. Um, okay. which is like now sort of famous for being the home of Allie Raisman, the Olympic gymnast. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. I'm from, um, I lived in Brighton, but I'm from oh, Newport. Cool. So awesome. I'm going to be going back uh, next week to the New England area. I love New England. Very nice. Yeah. It's, but it's the, nothing competes with New York. Oh, no, I love it here. Yeah. Now, in New York, no, actually, I wrote down, like, two quotes that I loved from your book, so I wanted to just read them because I want to see if this is accurate. So, um, it, 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 straight single guys in the city know they're a hot commodity, and so they typically turn into assholes. That's what your main character said in the book. Yes. Is that something that you feel? Yeah. I mean, I tell my friends, uh, my single friends, who get, like, kind of upset when these master of the universe finance bros inevitably ghost them. I'm like, look, you can't go for the dude who's, like, six foot four and has a jet in the Hamptons and works at Goldman Sachs and, 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 and. You know, those dudes have, they call it intern season. Have you heard of intern season? Yes, I've heard of intern season. That's just, like, new new chicks for them to fuck. That, the ba- I mean, right, that's, like, literally what intern season is. It's, that's gross, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I am I'm a bro but I'm not a finance bro. I don't have the wealth to <laughs> to be but it's a it's a like a it's like an economics thing. There is a lot of wealthy single men in New York. How like we it it it's not the proper test tube for settling down for men. Do right. you know what I mean? Well, the gender ratio is is in men's favor. I think it's like 40-60. Is it that much? I think so. So, how, how are you saying are you single right now? I'm not. You're, so a long-term relationship or? Uh, yeah, it's been like eight months. Oh, eight months. Oh, that's for New York. That's long. New York is <laughs> I mean. You're like, basically married at this point. Basically. But New York, <laughs> you have that thing where you have to decide rent is so expensive. Let's just move in mm. together. Eight months, you're probably not no, at that. No, we live separately. Are you thinking about that? Would I live with this guy type of deal? I really love my apartment and I love my neighborhood and he doesn't. So we'll oh. see. <laughs> How far away is he? He's in Williamsburg. So it's oh. like 40 minutes. I used to do a bit. Uh, stand a bit about how I had a long-term relationship because I lived in Harlem and she was in the Upper East Side. Same girl who goes yeah. on me. But it's the idea that in New York, things are so like condensed that long distance is a different borough. Yeah, oh, totally. You have to... But now you've got the Q train that goes to 2nd Avenue. So that literally it probably is. cuts your your transportation time like down 20 minutes. No. No, no not really. <laughs> it's still slow as shit. Yeah. I was just interviewing someone in Bushwick, so it took me an hour oh, and change okay. to get yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. My best friend's in Bushwick, and I I should go out there more often, but it's really far. <laughs> that it's it's the um, th- is it the East River? Is that what separates it? Is yeah. it East River? Yeah. So that's that's a big barrier though for like dating. Like like, did you know did you know he was in Williamsburg when you met him? Uh, I did, and I don't really know how I met him because like I think my radius was only a mile on dating apps, and yet he oh. popped up any- anyway. So so you like cross paths? Yeah. Did, um, is he a finance bro? No, he works in software. So actually, Ooh. he I met him first on Tinder. I was reporting a story about dating apps, and I would swipe right on every guy in a 100-mile radius uh, to get quotes about dating for a story, and he gave me a quick interview. And then like two weeks later, we ran into each other again on Hinge, where he happens to work as a software engineer. So he codes the Hinge app. I love that you, quote-unquote, ran into each other again yeah. <laughs> online on a dating yes. app. This is what we need this. Like, we need... You need to meet people in a quicker way, right? I mean, like, you can't rely on... It's really sad that you can't rely on, like, stumbling into the right match. We're, like, ultra-selective, right? 
Um, I mean, I think that if you're on dating apps often enough, you'll see the same people over and over. It's kind of like going to your neighborhood bar where you see the same guy there every Friday night, except like the bar is an app on your phone. Now, Hinge, how does Hinge separate from... T- I-, I used to use Tinder. I'm old now. I've been in my relationship for four years. So Bumble di- hadn't come out yet when I... Mm-hmm. So like I never got the different apps. How does Hinge... I know how Bumble's different. The women has to message. Yeah. But what's Hinge? What's the difference there? Um... I like Hinge a lot. I think it gives you a little bit more personality. Um, so instead of just writing a bio and having a couple of photos, you answer questions about, you know, like your likes and dislikes and who you are and everything like that. And people can like or comment different pieces of your profile. Um, and it's like a little bit more relationshipy. Um, Is it more algorithm based than just looks? You know, because Tinder is really just like radius, right? It's just who's the closest well, in age well, range. Every, every dating app has an algorithm. Yeah. What's the algorithm? Okay, if you're not going to use dating apps, so like, okay, it's it's just it's interesting. We we're in a society now where people are like sharing photos of their children. And they met on Tinder. It's like we've yeah. like it's been around for five, six, seven years now. That it's literally like overtaken. What? So you're using it as a matchmaker for other people. When I was when using Tinder, yeah, when, as a matchmaker. You, so you were yeah right. When you were a matchmaker, you were using so like Tinder and different dating apps to match your clients with these random folks is that right um yeah kind of sometimes sort of depended on who the client was and then what are you looking for like are you are you able to if you say if you have a client right and they're they just the the problem i think with a lot of people is they want everything to be perfect yeah so when the dating app you can scrutinize every little thing whereas in in meet, meet in person you might like them better in context i don't know like you might go oh they that part's not what I would have looked for, but I kind of like it. So that was totally my angle as a matchmaker. I was like, look, like you are going to be super picky. You know, as my client, you're going to be really picky about who you date, rightfully yeah. so. You should be. But my job is to help you overcome and maybe look past some of the really superficial things that you might discard immediately. And I'm going to say, look, like this person actually has these 10 really great traits that are really compatible with you in all of these different ways. So, like, please trust me. Please give them a chance. Now, another the, my, the other quote from the book that I loved is one of your characters said, looks and status, mm-hmm. if they're equally as attractive and equally as successful, they don't need to have anything in common. Do you believe in that? It is something that I was taught as a matchmaker. Uh, that was my old company's philosophy. I, I love it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I think that it definitely can work in some cases, but I don't think it works in every case. See, I like that, sh- that you had her use the term status. I accidentally used the term power mm. and got in trouble. I got a lot of people angry because I said that men and women are both attracted to power, but we just see it differently. Like, Tell me more. Wh- Interesting. Power. And then I was like, well, it's power. But in my sense, I'm not trying to mean Harvey Weinstein power. I, well, and, and he is a guy who has power or did. Did. It, it's, it still has a, 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 a power to, you know, like he's like, sadly, he's in jail somewhere. But he, there's a, it, uh, what I mean is that it's an energy and it's a rank and it's a status and then it's just you don't want to use it the Matt Lauer way where you're throwing dildos at people. Do you know I what I mean? I think what you're talking about is confidence, right? Confidence is part of power. Someone with status oh let's just use status, but someone with status would have confidence, why wouldn't they? I mean it's they're 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 probably doing well at work, they're they're in a social I think group. I'd be surprised actually. At the lack of confidence people have? Yeah, I mean this is one thing that I found really bizarre. Um after working as a matchmaker, but before um, I met my boyfriend, like people would find out that I worked as a matchmaker, and like I'm, I don't have any real power. Like I had a cool job, and that was it. And they would get really intimidated. And these would be guys who were older than me, made a lot more money than I did, who were much more educated than I am. And they would, even though they had more like quote unquote power than I did, they would be really intimidated. And I found that lack of confidence really unsettling. Yeah. Well, I would just say this: that the lack of confidence lowers their, their power. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I'm talking like not just like are they the CEO of their company? I mean like the all I'm talking Matthew McConaughey in Fools uh, or in uh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. He was oh, my yeah. all time guy. I love this guy. He had charisma. He had the job. He had the friends. He had the looks. He's Matthew McConaughey. He's got the accent. He's that's 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 status to me. Mm-hmm. No, but like yeah, you could be like your 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 boyfriend does software. You, people that work in software. Some of that, some people, they might not have, know how to socially interact with people. It just might not be part of their job. The tech bros, like Silicon Valley, they're you know, you know, what I mean, there's, there's a, they're, they're, they don't they don't get to meet someone like like a salesperson has to have confidence. They've got, I mean, they might be a little slimy, but like they've got to have the ability to connect with someone, which is so important 
yet in an online dating app, you don't get to suss that out. You know what I mean? Like, can you say if oh, someone's confident based on their photos? It's, it's so such an intangible. when I was matchmaking, I wouldn't just go based on a dating app. Once I met somebody on a dating app, I would meet them for coffee, meet them for oh, drinks. Oh, you would screen them FaceTime first. They weren't like immediately right here. Yeah. I think FaceTime you could tell. Oh, yeah. For sure. Totally. You get, you get a good vibe. But that's, that's interesting because, and there are men that might be confident, but they might be uh, a confident introvert where you might not meet the lucky guy at a bar. Right. I met my girlfriend on a bus. Like we in like Fun. we we were on the way to a job, so like we were literally gonna meet regardless of whether or not she wanted to talk to me. Mm-hmm. She she co-hosts the podcast when we're together. She's in LA right now, and and um, we would have never. She would have never given me the time of day, never. But she so kinda, what happened? You just well, we were like on other? a set together, so she had to. She I think she like realized I was slightly entertaining and had she had nowhere to go. I don't mean that in like I, I cornered her way. I mean like we were our our first conversation was like under a tent on a humid day. I don't know eight years ago. We we didn't date for years after we met, but it was enough for us to like meet each other. And I thought she hated me and she was having a bad day and it it didn't go well. It didn't go well. But we stayed friends on Twitter or something. And then mm-hmm. she saw I moved to L.A. and she like was like let's go on a hike. It was a, her name's Tasha. It was a completely different woman than I had met before. Comple- oh, like she was just going through some shit. We would have never connected, but like. Then I met her, and it's like, oh wow! And we've, you know, it's been it's been great. Like we've had to work through a lot, you know, any relationship, but um, it's been great. And it's, I don't, I don't know if I would have. She's never done online dating. I don't know. I just, it's, it's. Um, I think a lot of people rely. Do you think like people that don't have matchmakers are they relying too heavily on just Tinder, like the matches? Or? No, I think Tinder is great. I think dating apps are great. Um, you know, whatever works for you, whether that is using a dating app or, you know, staying in touch with somebody on Twitter, like whatever you feel most comfortable with, like do that for sure. Were you able on your, as a matchmaker, were you able to like quantify your success rate? And like, how do you even judge that? Yeah. So the way that uh, my company did it, that I really like, because I think it created really um, realistic expectations mm-hmm. is that we've said, you know, we just want to give you amazing first dates. And beyond that, like, it's sort of up to you, like, to take it from there. But, like, if we can introduce you to somebody that is incredible and that you really click with, like, we'll be really happy. So we had a very, uh, very high success rate with that. That's interesting. So for you, so you could say first date and then do they pay, like, monthly for – because in the book, they pay for, what, two dates a month? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like – is that like a benchmark? Yeah. So we had two dates a month um, for a monthly subscription. Wow. And then when, how long did you work there and kind of what, what was your exit strategy? Like, did you, was it, sub, was it fulfilling? What was it? Um, I loved the job. So I was there for seven months and then I left because I had to finish college. Um, oh, you were was, still in school. Yeah, I was still in school. Um, I had to finish college and I really missed working in media. So I um, left to go intern at Cosmo and then work at 17 once I graduated school. But um, the thing about the job is that like... Do you have, like, one friend who always texts you about their dating life? Like, oh, like yeah. updates and questions, yeah. right? Oh, I get like, several. Like, I, I love to hear people's dating life stories. Yeah. Listeners can text me. I'll give you my number. <laughs> Just let me know. I love to know. Amazing. I'm going to start asking you about yours. <laughs> I will. I'm going to stay in touch. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have. But um, it's like having that one friend, except to multiply that by 15, and they're paying you to make them happy. So it's, it's like, the best job in the world, especially if you love to talk about dating like I do or like you do. But it's also um, it's really high price. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever really set somebody up. I do in college. I did. I do take credit for introducing a couple in that they're married. But it was really like we were all in the same room together. It was it was like it was one of those like fraternity room. Like there was like, oh, Jen, this is Brillo, my roommate. And now they got married and I didn't get invited. And I was like, I'm pretty sure uh, I'm the reason you got married. But wait, is Brillo's name really Brillo? Because I know Brillo. No. And he's from Massachusetts. Is his name Dave? Chris. Okay, never mind. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I was like, what? He's from Ware, Massachusetts. Oh, and I don't know. We don't know talk him. anymore, and it's got nothing, no falling out. He was just a quiet engineer major. Okay. And I was like, hey, you, hey. and I was, <laughs> I was seeing Jen's sorority sister. So it was kind of like beneficial for us that they liked mm. each other because it was like, ah, oh, fine. And then my thing ended that week, and they <laughs> got married. They probably have kids. I don't know. Muscle tough. Yeah, muscle tough indeed. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Like, uh, I do. I like to keep tabs on where everyone is. All of my New York friends, well, more of my New York friends are single than my L.A. friends. So I wonder if it's the environment. It's the hiking. The hiking really bonds you. <laughs> it's got to be the hiking. I don't know. What's it, what's it about New York other than the fact that is it the men that don't want to settle down or the women also sort of just like, why? Like, why? It's just not a stable, like, you're not, we're not, we're not like in the cul-de-sac where you just settle down, right? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like to generalize. Like all men do this, all women do this, um, because people surprise you. But I think that here it's really easy to be like twenty-two years old, well into your thirties or forties. You know, like you, nobody cooks. You don't have to drive. Like it, you're sort of living in this post-college world forever. You're not, you're not really raising a family here unless right. you're really wealthy. So yeah, that's, like if you're not having a family, that kind of can do that. those out. <laughs> I like that you said you don't like to generalize because that's all I do. I'm so guilty of it. <laughs> People hate. Okay, and I and I totally respect that. And luckily, like as a as a comic who has no like real employer who can like yell at me for being a certain way, all I can do is whittle down who men and women are to like the Stone Age. I just look at everything tribally. And again, and and I and I I was just on someone else's podcast and they got all mad at me that I was like, well, men are this way, women are this way. I don't care. I'm I'm feminine in so many ways, so I don't even mean it as like what your gender is versus mine. I just think as a magnet, it takes two slightly different people to like lean on each other in different ways. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like for me, I'm like I'm super broy in a lot of ways. Like I'm, I'm, you could probably peg me as like you know like you said you said you like the second finance. time you said bro in well like you said finance bro so <laughs> bro 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 no i am a, i i am a tribal i enjoy my clan of guys mm-hmm. but also i will cry watching every episode of queer Eye for the straight guy oh my god and not Same. only that i will cry watching things that i didn't even know like i cry watching adam sandler movies yeah you shouldn't do that <laughs> You know, like a sunset, a, a marine coming home, the dog. That, that you know what I mean. Like uh, every YouTube video, I'm just in tears. Gender reveal, the grandfather hears oh his God, daughter for the I first guess. time. What a, yes. every single thing gets yeah. me. And again, so I'm not saying that. Like, is that a? I don't know if that's a. If if that makes me feminine or not, I don't know. But my girlfriend is. Oh, it's. it's I, I love that I have, I'm trying to explain this to you, but the listeners are like, we know how she is. We've had 290 episodes. <laughs> it's. It's. We're just slightly different. And, and again, I do generalize, but everyone's slightly different in a different way. Like, what makes your current relationship, like, what's the things that, like, he does better that, like, you know, that, like, that's, like, pulls your slack and vice versa? He is so much more social and so much more chill and so much more type B. And I need to be all of those things a lot more. Um, I keep a calendar and he doesn't. <laughs> that's um, the same thing with my relationship. Yeah. Do you keep all like a hot, like a hard copy calendar? No, it's on my phone. Okay, yeah, you're not a psycho like Tasha. No, she does hard copy. <laughs> if she doesn't have her calendar on her, she doesn't know when she's working. Yeah, well, same, but it's all on my phone. Well, that, so. yeah, no, but that's good that you've got like it synced. We finally synced our Google calendars. That's a huge step in a relationship. Huge step. It's it like four years. Bigger than moving in. It's so it's it's so big because we were arguing over things like when I had a stand up show, like not arguing, but like she'd be like, I didn't know you had a show tonight. Like, why are we not? Like, we have the technology. The technology can help us. So many issues in relationships are just communication breakdowns. Yeah. And a lot of times in when, when you're dating, especially when I lived in New York, I was never the type to... It's not that I wouldn't want to fix things. If there was any bump in the road, I think both myself and the, and the girl would both be like, eh, whatever. And then we just would... We both would move on. Like, there was, not, there was just nothing that stuck that m- made me want to, like, stick a relationship here. And then it wasn't the right thing. Yeah, it wasn't the right thing. Yeah. But even, like, I mean, do you do you have any, like, relationships that, like, hit you hard? Yeah, like, on the breakup? Course. Like, what's, what's, what's the, have you, or have you been able to sort of formulate what it is that either gets you into a toxic relationship mm. or, like, cause you know what I mean? Like, we've all got something that's like, oh, shit, this is going to fuck me up. Like, you just know it. <laughs> yes. Um, I had a, an on and off again relationship for a few years. And we got back, we were like broke up and got back together so many times. It was like a reality show. And I think that can be a really toxic cycle. And a lot of people have those kinds of on and off relationships. I think if you don't really see yourself staying together, like don't go back together for two months. Like it's not worth the heartbreak and so would the you drama. So would you get back together for that instant gratification of like that dopamine rush? Like, oh, we're. Oh, yeah, I did it all the time. Yeah, but I think that's such a bad idea like having and you mentioned having it. friends that like you check in on and they check on on you what were they saying about it oh they all they were all like no this is a bad idea don't do it fuck, don't do it fuck don't jeremy do it. just like <laughs> i got just... to the point where i wouldn't want to tell them that we were back together oh. because i knew that they would roll their eyes and be like really that's like when i have two slices of pizza late at night when i'm supposed to be like going no carbs yeah and i have to like bury the trash like in the trash so that people don't see that i ate it yeah that's what my relationship was like yeah which is kind of like a little 
you know, shame in a way that like you're you don't want to admit that. Like, yeah, I know, I know this isn't right, but we do it. We all do it. Yeah. I got back with my ex when I lived in New York. They actually, the, she kind of like broke my heart. I got back with her and my roommate in that instant moment. I was like completely vindicated from the breakup because we just had sex again. It's so stupid. I was like, oh, all those things didn't matter. All those crying moments and hikes by right. myself. All that fucking toxic energy doesn't matter because we had sex and my roommate just looked at me and he was like fuck you man because <laughs> he put in all this work with me to get me to a yeah. place and i'm like no i'm gonna go bang yeah you disappointed <laughs> him yeah if you feel that you are disappointing your friends by being honest about your relationship it's just probably not a good idea to be in that relationship yeah to start with. oh yeah you want to brag about your significant other yeah, you know they should compliment you be like wow like they're awesome yeah that's actually that's a great great point because all I I'm competitive and all I try to do when I go on like couple states is wow the shit out of these people <laughs> that I don't need their approval from. Yeah. Just wow the shit. Like well like we went um <laughs> we went on a lake boat last year. It's about eight hours north of LA. We drove the whole way up to this lake boat. There's these friends that we have and like their parents I don't know how they have money. It's like re- it's like they just bought this three like triple decker lake house. So we had our own room to stay in. It was air conditioned because it was like 110 degrees on the lake and we're hanging out and I just killed myself trying to keep up with all the dudes, like mm. drinking, just okay. <laughs> drinking and like partying. And we're on, but like, we're on, like, we're doing like water sports, which I don't do. Mm. So, like, I'm literally breaking my back, being like, yeah, I'll do that with you. My girlfriend's like, this isn't you. <laughs> like, right. I'm like, no, I will get their approval in the society and yeah. they will tell their girlfriends who will tell you. I mean, and she's like, we've been dating for long enough. I don't care. Yeah. But it's a, yeah, it's an interesting place we go to. Does now, does your, what kind of approval does, I want to call him Jonathan, and I think it's because... Of, did you say your boyfriend's name's Jonathan, or am I just No, thinking, yeah, that's just from the, the book. book. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm really horrible at pulling the two apart. That's fine. It read like autobiographical, and I think that's a compliment to you. Well, thank you. Because obviously, like, and not to mention, I can see this... Like, who would star in this movie? Oh, that's such a good I'll question. Because I'll tell you who I think, but you tell me who you think. For Sasha, I want, like, a young ingenue that hasn't been discovered yet. So I think someone sort of in the, like, Maya Mitchell or, like, Cassie David mold. I'm obsessed with Cassie. Oh, for two. Don't know those. Um, Oh, well, okay. Anyway, Cassie Cassie David is Larry David's daughter. Oh, okay. I'm obsessed with her. But I would want somebody that, like, is kind of a little off the radar. Um, But, yeah. um, For Jonathan, I would want somebody like a young Logan Zuckery, like Gilmore Girls with a good wife. Like, that really smarmy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bong dude. Smarmy, uptight, but, like... But, like, redeemable at first, anyway. but you know he's going to let you down. Yeah. That type of guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every guy in New York. <laughs> Finance bros are charming. They are. There's they a are. reason that they're working high-level jobs. Well, they're, like, professional schmoozers. Like, that's Ultra competitive. Yes. Professional schmoozers. Mm-hmm. That's literally the business card. Yeah. I grew So, like, I went to business school at URI, and, um, and uh, which, if you know, now I run a podcast. So, how'd that go, Dave? And, uh, <laughs> no, I love what I do. But um, some of my friends, like... Their bank accounts are fucking nuts. Yeah. And they're good guys. But I would go party with them. And by party, like, I've never even seen Coke. I'm such a loser. <laughs> For all the Coke that's probably going around town and I haven't seen it, I'm just a fucking loser. They probably just looked at me and were like, no, nah, he's not getting any of our cut. <laughs> but I'd go out to these dudes' places. And, you know, like, the dudes, like, they were in finance, but they had, like, the lacrosse hair. Like, a little longer lacrosse than mine. Lacrosse hair. You I know what I mean? That, yes. I used to have long hair, so, like, I'm a... I'm a huge douchebag. Like, I get it. But, like, they'd, they'd have the kind of long hair. And I remember this one dude. We were, like, in his penthouse getting ready to go out. We're all still drinking Coors Lights because it's, like, you know, it's, like, they're professional. But, you know, don't go crazy. <laughs> sure. And he had, uh, you know, he just his hair was kind of curly. And he put, like, the he put like the, um, the, the band like the, the band on to keep his, okay. to pull his hair back so it would, like, set in the right way. And I'm, like, oh, this dude's <laughs> fucking tonight. And I didn't, I didn't like – so there was dudes – like like any group of people, there were there were guys like my buddy, my buddy Nick, and some of these guys. They were really good guys. Like Nick's, mm-hmm. actually, he met his he met his wife now on um on a on a dating app. Maybe maybe eHarmony, I think. Like a That's like the pro- cool. proper wasn't you know what he wasn't fucking around. Like met an his, old school website. Yeah, yeah, and he's married and all that. So like he he's like, you know he he wasn't the type. He had, and he had no game. Nice guy, but like he just wasn't gonna happen whether he wanted it or not. But like some of these other dudes, they were on the prowl. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. In this, like, concrete jungle, they were literally these lion dudes that with their hair pulled back, lacrosse lion bros. And um, I'd love if an animator's listening, if they could help me out to make this. I have this. such a visual image. Yeah. I like it. details. But they, and then you get to the bar and you just look. 
and you do a thing. And I understand because I, I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm not like a hunter myself. Like I was single. I would like find, you know, but like, that, and that's the, that's the problem when I was talking about men with power or mm-hmm. status. It's how do you learn to have confidence in your status, but not abuse it. That's one of the biggest issues with me too in everything yeah. is not the fact that they've got status. It's the abuse of it. The, the fact that, it, you know, they can use their abuse when hiring people or se- whatever. Like, how, what's, what would you say a guy can do, like, if anyone's listening, to, be, to, like, know the difference so when they see that they have some status, that that's not what they're using to get the woman? I think the most important thing that any guy or any person can do, really, is just have respect and listen. Like, don't make assumptions. Um, you know, let the other person talk. Really listen to what they're saying. Um, if a girl says, you know, like, oh, sure, I'll come up to your apartment, but she doesn't really sound that enthusiastic, like, check in with her. Be like, hey, like, do you actually want to come up? Like, it's totally cool if we just go out another time. Like, yeah, you know, um, I would say listen, ask smart questions. Don't make assumptions. Um, don't assume every girl is looking for a relationship. You know, that's not always the case. And um, just try to treat people with the same kind of common courtesy that you would want to be treated with. It shouldn't be that hard. It sounds so easy. It sounds so easy, but so many people mess it up. I think it's because um, using your status to manipulate might be um, an easier electrical current than learning how to... uh, Then It might be easier than, say the feeling of rejection or the feeling of like actually going out there and meeting someone and saying, hi, my name's Dave. Wow. Which sounds crazy. But like, right. I mean, well, I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question? Please. Yeah. So you're saying like, you know, people who use their status to manipulate like a romantic situation. I'll put it, can, I, can I give an example? Yeah. As a comic, right. If I meet, say, say you're just getting to stand up, right. And, uh, and I'm single and I go, oh, she's cute. Hmm. All right. The most hack cliche thing to say would be, would you ever want to write with me sometime? Sure. Why wouldn't you want to write with me? I've done comedy for a long time. And then you get there, the wine pours. Right, right, right. We all know Every acting, yeah. casting, couch, whatever. You know, so that's, so that's kind of where I say, like, I, I, it's, it's manipulating. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Totally, yeah. Ta- my girlfriend Tasha, she's, she works in the industry. She's taken meetings before and then finds out it's a date. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. But that's easier than being like, hi, I'm Dave. I think you're attractive. Sure. Much. Yeah, definitely. But my question is, like you said that, you know, guys who use their status as a tool of manipulation, like, do you think they do that consciously? Like, do you know people who are like, oh, I'm just going to name drop that I work with this really prestigious company and blah, blah, blah. Or do you think it's more, um, you know, just something that they, they've never learned how to communicate with people in a more honest way? It's a great question. I think it can become subconscious. But I believe men know, and maybe women do too, I don't think women have to use these tools men have to use. I know I'm generalizing. It's dangerous. But I think men, I think men have, you know, it's a battle out there. If I'm approaching you and another guy is, I'm going to work into that conversation like, yeah, you know, and whatever my, whatever my resume is. I think that can backfire. Oh, Totally. I once saw this guy um, that my friend had hooked up with like a couple years ago, and uh, they were still friends, ran in the same social circles, and he comes over, and they hadn't seen each other in a while, and he's like, so, just got a promotion, and I'm training for a marathon. Yeah, And like, yuck. he was totally like <laughs> beefing up his resume for her, but it was hilarious. It was such a turnoff to be like, yeah. I'm training for a marathon. Yeah, it's just, yeah, we'll find out. Like, have an organic yeah. conversation where you find that out. Right. Um, it kind of goes both way in some ways where I think a big thing men have to deal with, especially in New York, is when, and this is a personal anecdote, this is like personal experience. When I meet a girl, she goes, what do you do? Yeah, that's very New what York. What do you do? And that's an also a very American thing. I feel like a lot of European, it's not what, you, what do I do? I love riding my bike. Yeah. I have three dogs here. It's like, <laughs> all right, what do you do? Just tell me your business card. And, and there are people who, and then it, that's, but that's easy for women. I mean, I've had it happen in non-physical ways where people have, where women have taken my ball cap off. Mm. I just want to see if you're bald or not. You know what I mean? That, and that's happened to me because it's like, they're just quickly that's like, wild. I'm, 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 so, sorry. That's wild. It's like a crazy thing. It's wild, but yeah. it's also like, but men size up women and women size up men. And sure. I'm sure there's dudes that have the ball cap on and then like three hours into a conversation, you're like, Oh, I'm really, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to date a ball guy. Like it's a. It's a thing that, like, we've all got our things that we're looking for. And mm-hmm. and if you can't see it all right away, women ask what a guy does. 
men, I think, yeah, it's it's such a turnoff to just show what you do. I think the I always tell guys this: don't get deep right away. And let me know what you think about this. If you meet, if I meet a girl, I'd rather talk. I'd rather like break down. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I will quote this movie twice Love in one. I would rather break that down with someone and be like, what, what are your thoughts on it? Why would, you know, frost yourself? I would just talk about something random. You'll know more about me based on based on just talking about random bullshit and then you'll find out oh i come from a cool family in rhode island or whatever yeah. i love clam chowder or whatever you know what i mean but like yeah the spark notes of who you are i think it's more important to kind of show off that character rather than like what you've done oh totally i completely agree with you i but, think it's a lot harder to do what you're suggesting it takes a lot more creativity and on the fly thinking um if you're on a dating app, I would say never start a conversation with, hey, hi, how are you? What do you do? Because that conversation is going to go nowhere because the same girl is having that same conversation with 20 different people. Exactly. Um, but if you can if you can launch your thoughts into, like, how to lose a guy in 10 days and, you know, your serious feelings about Matthew McConaughey, like, that immediately sets you apart. I want to I wanna go out with dudes and just have them ask a girl <laughs> what her thoughts are on how to lose a guy in 10 days. On that just, movie? Just that one movie. <laughs> I should write a book on, like, the art of dating with Matthew McConaughey. And it's like, all right, well, what about fool's gold you want to talk about let's talk about that i mean i love i like bad movies but it's just yeah so when i'm feeling goofy when i'm with my my like good guy friends and we're out there just hanging out uh, who wouldn't want to be a part of that that's so much better than the guy in the corner calculate like snipering who he's going to go talk to and you got to talk to him within three seconds or else it's too long and like all these stupid things that are like in books about how it's guys like a pickup artist role, yeah the three second thing yeah and there are like there, there, there are pickup artist rules that might be the result of, of success. Like, they might be high success moves to make. But in the end, if it's not part of your authenticity, mm-hmm. then you're kind of, like, creating a lie and you'll get yeah. ghosted on. Oh, Because totally. you can't follow that coolness. If that's You might just not be cool. If you're not comfortable with somebody at the start of your relationship, you're never going to be comfortable with them in the long run. It's better just to find the person that you can be your genuine, authentic self with and then, like, be a weirdo with them for the next, like, 10, 100 years of your life rather than, like, faking it yeah. and obsessively trying to hide who you actually are. I think, I think there are some aspects. And, again, um, I pick up the, like, the art of picking up is uh, it has a lot of manipulating tools in it. Yes. If, if, at, if, if, if all it did was convince men that maybe if you're at a bar and you see a girl and we make eye contact, you should go up and say hi, then I think that would be fine. Yeah. But I think in today's world, even saying that, it's like, I'm not saying you should bother somebody at the gym. I think there's certain places that we've decided are watering holes mm-hmm. to, to mingle. It doesn't mean that that's going to be the case, but it's a high percentage. Sure. So, like... In New York, I would say, you know, a coffee shop, not high percentage, but not, but better than a gym. You know mm, what I mean? Like at, yeah, at, a, at a friend's party, high percentage. Sure. At a bar, probably higher percentage. The later the night, maybe a higher percentage. <laughs> like there's just, sir, but again, I've talked to girl when I was single and then, and then like some dude shows up and like he was in the bathroom and I didn't know and they were dating and I was like, uh, ah, my bad. And she was being nice to me because why wouldn't you she? You could be friends. Yeah. But it's also kind of like, oh, and then you just back away like, hey, have a good one. And then, and then. And then when I started dating Tasha for Valentine's Day, we went out to a dinner, had the rose, whatever, you know, like she, you know, got a rose, went to another bar. And then I went to the bathroom. And by the time I came back, there's like two dudes trying to hit on her. Oh, my God. And um, <laughs> but when I showed up, they kind of did the thing okay. I did. And they go, like, oh, oh okay, didn't okay. know, because like you shouldn't have to be like taken right away. But also you'll oh, you'll yeah. know within a m- two minutes, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's super awkward. I once had a guy corner me on the subway, and he was like, we matched on Tinder. And it was, like, a super crowded, packed morning rush hour train. And, like, all these people were, like, leaning in, like, listening. And I was like, yeah, we did. And he starts pulling up our Tinder conversation and reading it word for word out loud, like, kind of yelling. How'd that go? <laughs> um, well, That's it was really awkward because yeah. I had to tell him, um, you know, in between, like, my stop and my office's stop, that uh, since we matched on Tinder, I had met somebody else, and I was now in a relationship. You that's, told him that. Yeah, that's, that's super, great. It's great. It was super awkward to say, I like, on the subway when so, such a half loser. of Manhattan was, like, listening in on the sixth train. Yeah, if I'm on the subway I and that happens, I take my earbuds out just enough yeah. to hear, but pretend like I'm not listening. And yeah. I just stare at it. I go, this is better than the podcast I was listening to. <laughs> I miss that. I've been riding the subway all over the place doing different interviews oh, yeah. and, and stand-up shows. And I'm literally just like, there's a mariachi band playing. There's a breakup happening. A guy's proposing. A homeless guy's selling me candy. I love just, public breakups. Ah, oh, it's amazing. Have you had one? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's one in the book that is, like, 
very close is it, to it, my real public really? breakup. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the book, but mm-hmm. where where did this happen? Dean and DeLuca. What's that? It's like a gourmet uh, snack store. Where Where is it? What part um, of town? In the book, we moved it to a different location, but in real life, this is so mortifying. It happened on 6th and a half Avenue, which only exists in Midtown for a couple blocks, so it doesn't even sound like a why, real place. Why was that the location? And what were you buying? Uh, we were buying... Uh, hors d'oeuvres to bring to my cousin's Seder because it was Passover. This. These details are amazing. He was going to meet my family for the first time. He was going to meet your family. Was he also Jewish? No. Oh. Did he get out of meeting your family? Of course, you broke up. Yeah, we broke you up. You're not going to yeah. take him there anyway. No. <laughs> so was that, did that have anything to do with the breakup? Religion? No. I've His never... parents actually sent me a Passover card that they found in like the middle of Wisconsin where there are no Jews. And I was really touched that they found a Passover card. But they mailed it, and it arrived after their son dumped me. So that didn't go so well. Was it a blow-up breakup? Did you expect it? Like what? Was I was it? so shocked and so blindsided. It went, but he clearly wasn't prepared to do it there. Um, I, I don't know. But see, the fun thing about writing fiction is that you can like flip it the way that you want it. So in the book, <laughs> the scene based on it, um, I, the, the matchmaker character, who is some traits similar to mine, is the one who dumps him. And that's a lot more fun to write. You just looked so sinister that was the most <laughs> excited you've ever looked since i've known you for 20 minutes you're like in the book you can flip it around do <laughs> you, you do whatever you want will will you write nonfiction, or do you like the fact that it's like you can mold it and heighten it and um i mean i write i, I write uh you know journalism on the internet for a living but right, you're at elite daily correct yeah. so you're the date you're the dating editor yeah. and i think that's how i found you yeah i was randomly and i never to be honest i never do this I never. I, I mainly interview because I'm I'm kind of lazy, and I just love to interview my comedian friends. And mm-hmm. I'm in LA, but I was like, I wanna I wanna just like see what people like uh, you know connect with people that aren't just like to be honest, just circle jerking in the comedy community. Sure. Because there's good people out there that are just doing you know different things. And in our podcast, sex actually, it really isn't about sex at all. Like that's yay happy byproduct, and a good relationship should mm-hmm. explore it, whatever. But it's really about relationships and communication. Like, sure. are you? What are you finding out from writing about dating that is lacking? Other other than just the fact that everyone maybe maybe we're more narcissistic now. I don't want. What do you think? Like as a, as a generation. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't dating in the eighties, yeah. so I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I love. I um. I had a show last night, and um. I didn't record the audio for this show, and I was so bummed. There was an old couple in the front. Oh. Married forty four years. Wow. So they got married. They got. They met in nineteen seventy and married in seventy four. And they had. Uh, the, and I was like, "Where did you meet?" Everything just sounds sweeter when mm-hmm. you're old. Yeah, for sure. And they, and they met at a pub somewhere in Pennsylvania. Okay. But I just, you know, made it this thing. I, I like in my head, I gave them mutton chops. I don't even know what you know. They're they, I don't know if they were hippies or what. But like, I was like so excited about their life yeah. because I just wanted to romanticize it. And I'm like, I know it's like, dude, I would trade places with you today. The fact, like, I don't, I don't like that we have to rely on our cell phones. I love that. I was talking just to your publicist and didn't... Oh, I hate publicists, but I love that I didn't Megan's have... Megan's great. Well, sorry? Megan is great. Is she great? Good. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure she is. But I was like, this is why I want to... I, I love that I didn't know where... Like, if... Like, I wasn't texting with you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in today's world, it's like, I'll be on the southwest corner at blah, blah, blah. And then right. you text walking up. Like, there's none of that surprise... Even though you were right on time. There's none of that surprise in that in-the-momentness that we used to have. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to a party? Maybe not a party, but like... You ever go to someone's place and you text them that you're showing up? It's like they know you said you were going to come over at that time, yeah. or like, or like after a date you like text when you get home. Yeah, I mean, I I would be so curious to see like, you know, what it was like to date when, when my grandparents met or when my parents met. Like, what if you're running late? Like, what if you get sick and you can't come and they're already on their way? Like, how do you let them know? I have so many questions. What if you can't find them? Um, when I was a matchmaker, I would have to date sit, which means I would be like waiting by my phone, waiting for my client to call in case she couldn't find him or, you know, you were doing the publicist role. I was in the publicist role. Yeah. Or like one person would say like, Hey, like I'm running 10 minutes late. Can you please relay the message? And I would do that. Um, they had, yeah, they had no, the, before this cell phone generation, they had no, um, ability to stalk the way we can now. Yes. They had to literally stalk. (laughs) <laughs> binoculars like yeah. they had to really work for it now it's like well let's take a stroll down their instagram let's see if they posted because they haven't texted me back yeah that's and that's batshit crazy and the most normal thing out there have you ever googled like like a like maybe tasha's name with like an ex-boyfriend's name to like see what pops up i cannot believe i've never done that oh and wow i, I just and i wish you never asked me that because <laughs> i'm like um i get the notifications 
of our shared dog that we have, Boone the Basset, on Instagram. Nice. Her ex-boyfriend is friends with the dog on Instagram. Huh. They follow each other. How does that make you feel? Well, I'm the stepdad. Okay. So, but like I'm getting push notifications that he just, her ex-boyfriend has a story. Mm. So I click on it. Shouldn't have done that. Now he knows that you've seen it. He's like, why is the dog looking at my shit? Right? Because I'm, I'm the dog now. And I see that he's got a bigger following than I do. Oh. On Instagram. I'm sorry. And I was like, why should I know this? <laughs> why should I know this? Why? You know, like these things, I kind of laugh about it. I call it out. I told Tasha, I was like, this is stupid. But you know what I mean? Like, well, it is. But like, uh, it's, we shouldn't, we're, we're, it's the first time in the history of humankind, just the last, within the last decade, which is incredible. Yeah. First time in the history that we have the ability to know shit we've never been uh, sort of um, primed to know. Oh, sure. Do you yeah. look up? Do you look up uh, your software soft, uh, software bros uh, storyline if he's not getting back to you in time? You're eight months in. You're not quite like settled down for life. Right. I think it's interesting that um, I've been very comfortable with him and trust him immensely from the start. So I've never felt that urge to stalk him. Um, I think <laughs> it's the people that I've liked that I was kind of nervous about that I would do a lot of stalking to make myself feel better. It's almost like if the other person doesn't come as far to the middle of the circle as you that yeah. you feel like you it's it, it feels like you're you're re, you're grasping and there's nothing there then then right. that's when you go let's get detective or and it's always a friend who's like bitch i will google him and yeah. find out what he did mm -hmm. why he did it and we're gonna get to the bottom of this right and it, you're gonna find what you're searching for ultimately oh totally like if yeah. you're if you're jealousy and have trust issues you're gonna find a reason like like take this for, for example yesterday or, or, or I, I was out way too late last night but i was like full and didn't really drink much i had a show so i had a beer i had like a beer at the show and then like two after so i like literally had like three beers within six hours so today i was talking to tasha and i was like yeah i was exhausted but like i didn't drink you know whatever then i go on my phone and i realize i got an email i bought a beer on one of those square apps and it went to her email so she forwarded the email to me just just to show me the receipt of me buying a beer now tasha's um, passionate and uh, in a lot of ways, but she's not jealous. A jealous girlfriend would have been like, I thought you weren't drinking, Dave. <laughs> yes, you bought a Pacifico at 7.30. Right. Like, in, 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 whereas if she told me she wasn't drinking and I got an email that there was a receipt of her buying a margarita, I'd be like, why did you lie to me? Because I was like, I wasn't drunk. So I was just like, ah, I wasn't drinking last night. So right. it's like, if she was looking to f catch me in a lie, that, that's where she would have done it. Sure. And she has caught me in lies that she thought she caught me in. I'm like, look, I was paraphrasing or uh, you know yeah. I've, I've got nothing to hide we do this i talk to people all the time and i I've, i'll tell you this and and what we I, we do have to wrap up some word at 45 minutes i um are you are your is your sister uh We're good she's good you, you're good she's at the pool perfect oh at the pool nice yeah. um what the fuck was i gonna say i um i i uh podcast guest from a couple episodes her name's gabby Bryan. she's cute young blonde whatever we had her she was in she lives in new york but we had her in la and um, we did a podcast with her. It was good, all that. And then, and then two nights ago, I did Gabby's show in Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound so stupid, but like I have this fear I, because I can be jealous. I have this fear that I'm going to make Tasha jealous, and I don't. I just hate that feeling. So I took a, like a photo with Gabby, and she put her like both her hands on my shoulder in the photo, mm -hmm. like very like no big deal. But I was like standing there like, uh, you know, like right. my, she was like, oh, what the fuck? And it wasn't a big deal at all. But then I was like yesterday morning, since like Tosh and I are out of town, this is the longest we've been away from each other or will be the longest since we've been dating two weeks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Kind of long. We, we vacation a lot and travel a lot yeah. together. So I, I messaged her and I was like, look, I'm telling you this because I'm an insane and I don't want you to even remotely feel weird, but you can see that I'm not trying to hug her. But it's so, you know, it's so stupid of me to even, like, have to do that because I wanted to post a photo and be like, thanks for the oh, stage yeah, time, blah, sure. blah, blah. And my girlfriend was like, the fuck do I care? Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm like, yeah. but I would. Right. I would. I just had a similar experience. Yeah. I was at uh, my friend's boyfriend's birthday, and this was, like, two days before my book came out. And um, the boyfriend's friend, who I'd met a couple times, bought my book on Amazon while we were at the bar. He was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, let me order it right now. Amazing. And I tweeted something like, um, something about like getting guys to buy my book at bars instead of buying me drinks. And I like tweeted it and then immediately texted my boyfriend and was like, no guys offered to buy me drinks. I'm just making that very clear. <laughs> and then the tweet went viral, which was fun. But like, 
I was like, oh my god, like please, like should I delete it? It's like going viral. Does he get I'll jealous, or were you just are you just hyper like sensitive that you don't want him to get the wrong idea? I don't think he gets. Well, I mean, like I think he like would get jealous if I gave him a reason to, but I don't think I ever do. <laughs> does Does working in the dating world, in the social media world, and as a journalist, and he doesn't have to do that. I'm assuming he he his paycheck's coming in, whether or not he's got a blue check mark on his Twitter and this and that. Is does that make it difficult? Whereas like you can have random dudes hitting you up. You know, versus him, who's like, that's probably not part of his life. Well, the funny, it's funny, you're actually very wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, not for him. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm you're very wrong. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> um, no, so he works at a dating app. So part of his job is having Hinge on his phone, but also having Tinder and Bumble and any other dating app. Um, wow. So he has all of them on his phone and he's like using them to make he's sure that he's not the Rolodex guy, features. is he? No, Rolodex was is that a, concept. a real app. It's a, it should be. I came up with it, and I thought it was, like, really clever. It's basically an app that keeps track of all of the people that you go out with so your friends don't get confused. Um, and it's Rolodex, like, D-I-X. I thought that was hilarious. Um, and my <laughs> parents um, really wanted me to, like, make it into a real app, but I just got lazy, and then somebody else scooped the name and created it with a different they application. They scooped it? Well, yeah. that's – I mean, that that is a good idea. But – so, uh, so, again, I'm completely wrong. So you both are in the dating field. Yeah. Then. Do you – does has he come into your dating advice uh, when you no are you you're dating writing about dating for Elite Daily like mm-hmm. what's the that that's a young like cla- that's a young like what mid twenties yeah, like millennial 20s. That's, yeah. that's where you're at right you're yeah. so like is it are you using first hand like knowledge like are you bringing him into the conversation like well this is what we do that works blah blah blah. Uh, I tend to not do that just because I prefer to, like, interview a therapist, interview a dating coach. So there's nothing autobiographical really about. I I do also write about my personal life, but uh, it's more interesting to write about, like, the disastrous stuff. So I wrote about, like, going on vacation with a hookup and, like, surprise, that went terribly. Or, like, you know, stuff like that. Where'd you guys go? Puerto Rico. Before the hurricane. Before the Um, hurricane. There was power. Yeah. Um, Electrical power. Uh, Okay. So quick couple questions and we'll get out of here. The book you posted, I think it was on Twitter, about the rejections. Yeah. And which I thought was amazing. Thank you. Because life is about rejections until you get the yeses. Yeah. So how can you speak to like the process of putting yourself out there, make it, writing, publishing your first book, or trying to get it published? Um, I would say two things about rejections. Number one, um, they're part of the process. Like, you're never going to get a yes the first time around. Um, and you should expect to struggle. And if it's a struggle, if it's something you want badly enough, like, you're going to struggle through it and you'll be fine on the other side. Um, and also, if you keep getting tons of rejections that are all in the same vein, like, then maybe you think you have to rethink your approach. Um, I got a bunch of rejections that were like, oh, like, I just don't really connect to the main character because she's, you know, young and dumb and she's 22 years old and a hot mess. And I was like, well, that's. That's, you know, that editor isn't going to be the right person for my project. I found an editor who was, I think, 25 or 26 at the time, and she totally got it, and she loved it. So we were able to connect and make that work. But if I had gotten a bunch of rejections that were like, your writing sucks, like, then I would know it was a problem with me and not with the writer-editor connection. And have you always wanted to write, like, would, like what, would you call this a beach read? Is that what, is that what, like, what? I'd call it a rom-com. Rom-com. Rom-com, beach rom-com. read. Yeah. I'm guilty of, and this is part of me being, like, hyper sort of, like, obsessed with like self-help stuff Mm. i'm always reading like five love languages superior man all these things but like this is about just turning off and just enjoying just reading for enjoyment yeah which you know as a catholic i don't do much for enjoyment (laughs) or former catholic i don't know where i'm at anymore uh but uh so how would you so well first of all i want to tell people and i'll I'll say this again at the at the top that like get buy a copy support you know those like the people on this podcast but also i've been reading this on the subway and i know it says and, and somewhere in here it was like written for the ladies and i'm like no nah, i'm liking it it doesn't <laughs> say written for the ladies no there was something on that was like there was a it's uh, a pink uh, book but anybody can read it i gave it to my uncle and i was like i don't really know if this is up your alley I wish I could find the quote. and he sped through it and he's like dude like i'm dating right now like he, he's dating and he's like i totally relate to all of this and yeah He's, you know, a 60-year-old dude. Well, because it's fast. It's fast in the sense that it's it's up to date on on what's actually happening with with online dating. Because, I mean, in in the book, your matchmaker is flipping through potential matches for other people. But, like, why wouldn't she look – like, if a guy's great, why wouldn't she want the guy? Like, did that happen to you as a matchmaker where, like, you're, like, looking for dudes for other people. But you're like, oh, that guy. I'm going to put him in this pile. 
Yeah. So I would like, I, there was never really any overlap because I was 21 and my clients were 30s, 40s, 50s. So in terms of age, I was never really tempted. Um, but yeah, I would definitely be on Tinder and be like, swipe right for my client and swipe right for me on the next guy. And I would talk to both of them at the same time. Yeah, two birds, one stone. Two birds, one stone. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Um, can you share your social media so people can go find you and tell you they love the book and, and all that? Yeah, so I'm at Hannah Orens, H-A-N-N-A-H-O-R-E-N-S. And also, what's the best way for people to buy this book? I'll put a link in the description. Is it Amazon? Is that the best yeah, way? Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes & Noble, Target, Hudson News, IndieBound. Hard copy, Kindle, all that. I'm not hard. Soft, uh, uh, I say hard copy. I mean like physical copy. Yeah, so it's in paperback. paperback. Uh, we did that because it's a better price point. And you can also uh, download it on your Kindle or get an audiobook. How old school am I that I'm like, hard copy? <laughs> like it's like, no, the real copy, not the ones the kids are reading. I love, I specifically asked for the paper one because I love I loved to earmark things and mm. and get i like to get a book beaten up like it's not a, i haven't read a book unless i've spilled coffee on it you oh please I mean? don't spill coffee in my book it's so beautiful will you, uh, will, you, will you sign it for me i will sign it all right well thanks so much for doing the podcast i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me bye everybody bye. S-A-R.